0: I am just as human as anybody in this house, and there are times that I get cold, I get indifferent with God. In other words, I'm not dialed in. I get busy in life, I get active in life, I feel responsibilities. Sometimes it's just physical stamina, right? You get fatigued, you get weary, you get tired. Something that has been a reset for me since I was a teenager is when I realize I'm in a state like that, I go back to the reality that I'm serving a king. When we talk about Jesus, when we talk about his name, when we talk about the attributes, when we talk about all the titles, all those things are fabulous and wonderful and needed for the seasons of our life but you see we talk a lot about the kingdom of God and you really will never understand the kingdom at all if you don't understand that it has a king whenever we lose the king we lose the kingdom but our culture doesn't embrace the mindset of a king we understand what it is to elect officials We know what it is to have our thinking in line with certain candidates, and we want them to represent us. We live in a culture, it didn't just get here, but it's been this way a while. We can look at our elected officials with disdain and be very vocal about it. We can communicate about how we don't like certain things being done. But when you talk about a king, everything's different. This message today will be needed by some, I promise, and it will encourage all. It may be life altering if you capture who King Jesus really is in your life. What do we know about a king? What kind of understanding do we have of a king? What do we envision in our mind when we think about a king? And then we have to ask ourselves, what am I missing if I don't understand the role of a king in my life? A king, if you pulled up the dictionary, you would find definitions like this, a sovereign. But I'm not even sure we know how to understand that word. Because again, of the freedoms and the liberties that we exercise, that we've known. We are very independent people. Can I hear an amen? Amen. We like to do what we like to do, when we like to do it, where we like to do it, as many times as we want to do it. And we become very demonstrative about those things. We carry that attitude into our workplace, into our homes, into our marriages. And yet a sovereign, and a sovereign is one who has absolute power and absolute authority. Once again, we find ourselves struggling with the word absolute. We know what it is to empower someone and we embrace it to a degree, but there's always a line for us. But with a king that is sovereign, this king has absolute authority over our life. We understand that truly we are subjects to the king. And then we understand that a king's reign is dependent upon the life's tenure. As we look throughout the Word of God, those of you that are Bethel students, you, you've studied the kings and you know some of them uh, became a king in infancy. In childhood, some only served weeks, months, some for several decades. The privilege we have today is King Jesus' life tenure. How many understands, once again, that the grave could not hold him? Death could not dictate anything about our king. Our king's tenure is forevermore, for our king lives forevermore. A king, I want you to turn with me to Psalms 24. I trust that this psalm comes alive to you. I'm asking you to stand with me as we share the word together. I'll tell you what I have put in my margins of my Bible. I I write in my Bibles. And here, the the title over the psalm in most of your Bibles would say something like the King of Glory. But to the side of it, I just simply wrote as a confession, that he is my king. Psalms 24 and 1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart Who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. And then you'll see the word Selah. And again, lift up your heads, O gates. Selah. You may be seated. That psalm is beautiful. It has a rhythm to it. It speaks just in the reading of it in a devotional style, but when you look deeper, it speaks to us oh, so much more. As prophesied when Jesus came to this earth the first time, Zechariah, 9 and 9 described how he would come. And he would come lowly. He would come uh, humbly. He would come riding a colt. He would come with this image of soft-spoken, gentle. We know again that as Paul was riding to the church in Philippi, The second chapter you'll find once again describing the assignment that Jesus was given from the very beginning. That he would come and he would empty himself. He would empty the fact that he was God. That to be equal to any part of God was not in question. And yet he emptied himself of all the royalty, all the positions, all the authority. And he would humble himself and take on the form of a servant. And he would become obedient to death, yes, even the death of a cross. We're still talking about a king. Again Matthew would record, Matthew 21 and 4, we have it, the fulfillment of that prophecy that Zechariah declared. And we know today, we call it Palm Sunday, when Jesus came into the holy city riding that colt. He, Fulfilled that part of his role of Messiah <clears throat> We understand again the psalm said that he would offer salvation It is Timothy again that gets the letter from Paul stating he said I Came to him a sinner. I Came to him as a blasphemer. I came to him as an insolent opponent I came to him as as a persecutor i came to him as an enemy and yet i understand that his mission in coming as a king so lowly was to offer salvation i trust that we never lose that there is a tendency that as we give our heart to jesus and pray for salvation that if we're given years decades of life If we're not careful, we'll lose that understanding because we want to grow, yes. We want to understand more, yes. But nothing can take the place of that foundation of salvation. His mercy that he extends to us, not just at the entry level of speaking his name, but how many knows that mercy is offered new every morning? This king of glory offering salvation Paul would again just emphasize to Timothy, he offered it to me. He offered these things to me, a sinner. And I understand that he came into this world for this purpose, to save sinners. And then he made an observation. He said, Jesus is the king Of the ages invisible immortal he is truly the king the only God that's not where he would stop he would continue in that letter in the sixth chapter as we have it broken down today and again he stated to us we have to understand he's a king Therefore, we must flee. We must abstain. We must remove ourselves from carnality. We must pursue righteousness. We must pursue holiness. We must pursue these things and fight the good fight of faith. He didn't stop there. Once again, this thing that just crescendoed out of him. He's not only the king of the ages, he's the king of kings. He is the Lord of all lords. In him, we understand his absolute authority, his absolute power. He's the king of the ages, invisible, immortal. We understand that he is abiding, and I love this expression, in unapproachable light. Wow, his majesty, his glory. And you're saying, Pastor, you're, you're preaching a little different today. That's why I'm telling you, this has always been my go-to, my reset. Because my culture doesn't embrace this understanding. We wanna minimalize we want to reduce and as much as we have the privilege of calling Jesus our friend if we're not careful and that's all we grasp we will miss that he is King that offers himself to also be our friend the one who has total authority over my life you see again we have to be reminded as we come to salvation And we ask to be forgiven of our sins and his precious blood washing our sins. You understand we are no longer our own anymore. This culture has a hard time swallowing that. We hear in all of our advertisement, our marketing schemes of how entitled we are. But when we understand this foundational truth, I'm not my own, I've been purchased. I like how the songwriter put it, I was on the auction block. I was bound to my sin, I was enslaved, and I couldn't set myself free. But someone called my name out and said, I'll purchase Randy Brooks, Uh, I'll take him off the auction block of sin. And who was it? It was my king. And by his shed blood, he bought me, he washed me, he cleansed me, and gave me a new identity and a new life. Can somebody give him praise in this house? You see, once again, when you're down, you're discouraged, when you're frustrated, when you're irritable, when you're irritated, all these things to come back to this reset. And that's why I took the time to emphasize just a little bit more of that word, Selah. This—it's this feeling of an orchestra fully arrayed, and now the choir in its robes, and they have been working together in harmony, playing and singing, and giving incredible uh, entertainment to the listeners. And. You can almost hear the Tiffany's building up and the voices getting to their peak performance and a statement has been declared and then without losing that effect the voices choose to remain silent allowing only the instrumentation to continue that feeling. And it causes us to pause. So we ask ourselves if, if he is so unapproachable in his magnitude and his light how then can I ever have a relationship with him all week long our devotions of life on purpose we're talking about worship how can I ever come into his throne room how can I ever approach him again the psalmist captured it I'll tell you who can those with clean hands those with pure hearts those whose conversation is healthy and honest and isn't deceitful he gives us that mercy and that privilege oh and that grace life yes to come into his presence how many knows that now because of his sacrifice We can come into his throne room. I don't have to wait for Sunday morning. I don't have to wait for the praise team. I don't have to wait for the pastor. It can be Monday morning and I'm just waking up and I don't feel like even getting out of bed, but the King of glory is watching over me and I'm reminded of who I am in him and I can come boldly into the throne room of grace. The King of glory. What about the times that I've been a knucklehead? What about the times that I've grown cold and indifferent? What about the times that it's all about me and I get caught up in me and what I want and then I realize, oh, I have missed my time with him, the King of glory. How many is like me? Then you feel like you're unworthy to come in his presence. How many times have you come in this sanctuary feel like I feel unworthy, I don't even wanna be here? How many have stayed home because they felt that unworthiness and yet the word says, but still yet, because of his work of salvation and because of his mercy, I can still come into his throne room boldly to receive mercy. There's only one reason that can happen, because he's a king. My God you didn't get it you see there's not a vote going on it isn't majority rules it is all because the king of glory said come on Randy you can come on the invitation is given to you I've got mercy that's new this morning designed just for you if you'll just come and receive it Amen. Amen. King of glory yeah. Amen. clean hands pure heart. You see, we need those seal us. But You see, it doesn't stop there, does it? Because he's also telling us he came once, but he's coming again. However, this time, he's not coming like he did the first time. He's not coming humble, riding on a colt. No, John saw it. He said, I saw the heavens open up. Oh, my. I saw the heavens open up, and I saw a rider. Oh, the majesty of that rider, and he's upon a white horse, and his name is true and faithful and his eyes were like oh a flame of fire and on his head it wasn't just a crown there were many diadems upon his head his robe was different And it may sound strange to somebody else, but to me, I realize, oh, I know who that is. That's the king of glory, for his robe is dipped in blood, precious blood, spotless blood, the blood of a redeemer, of a savior. That's my Jesus. That's my king. That's my Lord. Oh, he's my savior. I know who he is. oh my And there was a name given to him and his name is the Word of God don't tell me this isn't precious to us it reminds me of whom a king is it reminds me of what the kingdoms all about it reminds me that I'm no longer my own I'm his and I'm glad to be his What would you have me do today, Lord? Here I am. Use me. I'm your servant, Lord. Use me. Would you honor me one more time, Lord, by using me? Touch me one more time, Lord. Let me give a word of encouragement to somebody else. Let me reach out a helping hand to somebody else and I'll do it in the name of the Lord. I'll do it in the name of my King Jesus. You see, it's my privilege today to serve him. It's my privilege today for others to recognize him in me. For when he found me, he didn't find much, but he touched my life and transformed my life and gave me a new name. And now it's written down in glory. Oh yeah. And he wasn't just coming out of heaven by himself, but oh my, the armies of heaven following him. I'm here to tell you, I know who one person in that army is. That's gonna be me when he's returning back to this earth. And he's promised to all his children, all his servants, all his people been washed in the blood to return. And oh my, whew, we'll never look any better than we do in that moment, dressed in robed with fine white linen, following him. and. I, the equestrian stables of heaven must be jam-packed full because we all come back riding on those stallions. My God, if it doesn't excite you, there's something wrong with you today. You see, I'm telling you, this has been my reset. This is a thing that reminds me it's worth it all, through it all, whatever I go through, it's worth it all because I know who I am and Him. On who my king is, and from his mouth protrudes a sword, and he rules with a rod of iron, and he will make war and he will judge righteously. And I'm so glad that we'll be in the armies following him instead of those who have been disobedient. But you see, once again, that picture. Because also on his vesture that comes down, cascading upon his thigh. King of kings and Lord of lords. But I don't want you to miss this psalm. Because this psalm is powerful. Poetic as it may be, enjoyable to read as much as it may be, doesn't define all that it is. Because you see, it gives us the picture of something that the first readers would have understood, but our culture, again, not understanding. You see, after the battle and after the victory that has been won as a result of battle, once again, the king is returning with his armies into the city. These kings ruled from walled up cities. And again, if you'll look at Psalms 24 again, you'll see exactly after the Selah, he simply says, lift up your heads, O gates, be lifted up, O ancient doors. And again, they make the statement thinking of glory is here. What we may not understand is simply this, as they're approaching the walled city, the gates, are closed it is the priests that have also been with the armies and there's something significant about these priests because they are carrying the Ark of the Covenant come on somebody they have gone before the armies and as they approach that city it is the priests that say open up gates lift up your heads Open up, O ancient doors. The king of glory is with us. It is the gatekeeper. Now you'll hear the rhythm. The gatekeeper says, who is the king of glory? And again, it is the priests. And I believe the army's joining. I tell you who he is. He's the Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Once again, they declare with an echo, Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And again, the gates haven't opened because there is a form, there is a tradition. There is that witness, that second witness that has to declare. And again, the gatekeepers are saying, Who is the King of glory? And once again, the priests say, The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. That isn't only speaking of yesteryear, it's speaking of right now. How many of you know that in this life we battle? How many knows there's spiritual warfare on a daily basis? How many knows that we struggle many trials, temptations, the songwriter said, We have already come through. You understand who we are and who we serve. And our king is with us. And his presence. You see, there's something about that ark. Once those gates are opened up and he walks back into the city, when the ark is put back in its rightful place, it is then that the king is enthroned. It is us in the kingdom today that understands we have a king. And we don't have to worry about election cycles. He is king forevermore. We don't have to worry about popularity polls subsiding and diminishing. No, he is the king of glory. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And as we do battle, we understand the battle's not ours. The battle is the Lord's and he's with us. We understand, oh my, come on somebody. And when we come into those places that are still shut up they ask, who is the king of glory? I'll tell you who he is. He's the king that is mighty in battle. He has once again won the victory. He has wrought the victory for me. Open up, old oh gates. Open up, O oh ancient doors, so that we may come in. But who is the king of glory? I'll tell you who he is. He's my king. He's King Jesus. He is king sovereign. He is king absolute in power and in authority. He's the one that shed his blood. He's the one that set me free. He's the one that redeemed me. He's the one that purchased me. He is the king of glory. Open up, old gates. Open up, old doors. We're coming in so he may be enthroned one more time. Stand with me today.